Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and this is DCI number 90. Today, Brian and I got to talk to Lester Francois and Anna Brady about Game Loading Rise of the Indies, which is a documentary film about, you guessed it, indie developers. We had a great time talking to Lester and Anna about the development of the film, and uh, we got to watch the film uh, as well, and it is really good, so you should go check that out. You can find information about it in the show notes to this episode on DarkStation.com. You can follow us on Twitter, DarkStation underscore com, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and send us an email at podcast at DarkStation.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Now on with the show. for joining us on the dark cast how are you doing uh we're good we kind of just woke up but yeah and it's been um exactly one week since we arrived home from our tour touring around the u.s and europe and we came home pretty exhausted and pretty broken and it's taken us a week to recover so um we're gonna get back into work mode today Nice. Your bed never feels as good as when you've come home from a long trip. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it still feels so good. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Now, uh, you guys just recently came out with a, a new movie, uh, but before we get to talking about games loading, or game loading, um, let's talk about who you are and, and what you do at Studio Bento. Cool. Um, so, we're, we're filmmakers. And um, I'm a producer, director, and I've, I've been making a lot of content over the years. Um, a lot of short films and music video clips, um, a lot of branded, branded content for the internet, um, and some TV. Uh, I, I worked on a video game review show for a while and um, a bunch of other things. But, yeah, you know, I've been a filmmaker my whole life. Ever since I was a teenager, um, I wanted to make films. Um, and, but, you know, at the same time, I've been a gamer as well. Um, and I started off as an editor, so I've been working on some reality TV shows and corporate videos and a lot of soul-crushing things up to now. So. <laughs> yeah, we've both, we both done like our fair share of corporate videos and we had enough of that and decided to you know, do our own thing. So you, you kind of moved from the, the indie, uh, or to the indie space of, of filmmaking from uh, the more corporate AAA, if you will, environment. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Fantastic. We so you're uniquely qualified to talk to people about the indie video game space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, our our, um, our journey in making the film, you know, really mirrored the journey of a lot of indie um, game makers, and and we did embrace a lot of the practices indie um, game developers use. Fantastic. Now, now watching the movie, uh, I, I saw that there were several people that went to school for film and ended up making games. Do you have anybody on your team that went to school for games and is now making films? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, I an editor who... uh, we, had an, we had an intern who decided to leave us to pursue making video games, though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he already, already had interest in, in making games, and he dabbled. Then he, you know, started to pursue filmmaking. 
Mm-hmm. But then while working on the film, we realized, um, no, his true calling is making games. So we went back to making games. <laughs> That's kind of neat. You know, you helped him find his path. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was kind of cool. Fantastic. Now, now you guys are, are located in Australia. Is the the entire team there? Um, yeah, most of us are here. Um, we've got a cameraman who's based in Berlin who did most of the filming. Um, so we were just in Berlin. We caught up with him over there. Yeah, and we have a, a second unit um, working for us in Austin, and they shot some of the stuff with Davey Reardon when he launched the game, uh, and they're, they're still based in Austin. Now. What was it like actually going out and kind of getting all of these film shots? Because you, you know you've got stuff from Chicago on a train to San Francisco and in Texas and in uh, Belgium and Australia. What what was it like, kind of just going all over the place for that? Um, it was pretty exhausting. I mean, it was fun and thrilling setting off, you know, to, to go and start this journey. But when we're on the road. Um, it was like, you know, relentless. We're working, you know, most days. And and the few days we had off, you know, really wasn't enough to go exploring these new cities. So it was a bit of a tease going to these um, amazing, cool, you know, cities and towns and not being able to fully explore. Um, it's kind of like going to PAX. We go to PAX and all these games are <coughs> us. And we, we can't play any of these games because we're working, so it was a bit frustrating. But at the same time, you know, we were doing what, what we love, so... You know, it was a, it was a, um, what's the, what's the word? Love hate relationship with making the film. Yeah, and it was pretty intense as well. We traveled for our first bit of overseas filming. We spent three months on the road, um, filming constantly. So, yeah, that was pretty crazy. We went all the way from America over to Europe, and I think we covered eleven cities in that time. So yeah, um, and we're also couch surfing. So yeah, <laughs> it wasn't very glamorous. <laughs> we didn't have much money, so we were couch surfing. And, um, you know, if we were lucky, we got a couch. Sometimes we had to sleep on the floor or tiny cots. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, I mean, couch surfing worked out well for us in the end. No, was it just the two of you uh, going around doing all the filming? Or how many people do you actually have kind of working with you on this project? Um, there were three of us, okay. uh, Anna, myself, and our cameraman. Um, his name's Cam, and he, he's an old film school buddy of mine. And um, he's a great cinematographer and a documentary maker as well. So it was the three of us um, doing most of the filming, um, traveling around the U.S. and, and parts of Europe as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and at times, like when, when we were first, our first bit of filming was at um, Pax Prime in Seattle. And when we were there, we knew it was going to be like a really loud, noisy um, situation. So we hired a professional sound guy for that shoot. Um, and we've, we brought in a few extra camera guys here and there. But for, for about 90% of the shoot, it was like Anna, myself, and Cam. Now, now is Cam his real name, or do you just call him Cam because he's your camera? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's actually cool. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Matheson. Okay. And uh, it gets a bit confusing sometimes. <laughs> Cam the cameraman. And he, he's the one who's now based in Berlin. Okay. Fantastic, fantastic. So what, what, made, you, what, what made you decide to, to kind of not only go the indie road, but go the indie road about indie games. Uh, it wasn't really a choice thing. It was just like we didn't have that much money, so <laughs> we had to be super indie. Fair enough. Yeah, and you know, we, we um, I did apply for uh, for grants to make the film uh, in in Australia. Um, you can apply for apply for government grants to you know to put towards making your films. 
but um, the government agencies we were applying to didn't really see any value in, in making a documentary about video games or video games culture and also our distribution model um, didn't appeal to them either um, what we were doing was all very new for them so the idea of like you know finishing the film um, having it on screens very for a few weeks and then getting it to our audience online straight away didn't make sense to them but it, but it's a new model that's that's you know um, that they're now embracing so hopefully you know next time we can get some proper funding so how did you go about funding the the project Mm, well, sorry, had a mouthful of um, banana bread. Um, so um, the first year of filming, which we call our research period, uh, we self-funded that. Um, that was more like you know eighteen months worth of um, filming and editing um, and developing the, the script. So that came out of our own pockets, and then we had um, the Kickstarter, which literally kickstarted the first block of filming. Um, I came home and that money ran out, and then we we um, started using our own savings again, and then we then then when that started running out. Our our family jumped in and pitched in some some money a little bit there, and then we had our second Kickstarter, and that was to help fund post production, and that that got us uh, a lot of the way through post, and and then when we set off to start marketing the film, some more family chipped in a little more money as well. So, um, basically, um, our own funds, family, and Kickstarter. How much did it cost to build the Vlambeer signal you used to get Rami Ismail in one place so often? <laughs> yeah. uh, that was 80% of the budget, yeah. <laughs> okay. I figured it had to be a lot, because that dude travels. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, when we were um, filming, we are going to all the you know major gaming events around the U.S., and... Um, He's everywhere. Like, we didn't have to do much to, to, to track him down. we just turn up and he'd be there, you know, um, pitching Vlambeer and, and games development generally. And I think he was very surprised to keep seeing us at all these different events. And that's when he realized, oh, hang on, these guys are serious, you know. Um, we're going to all the right events and trying to speak to as many people, you know, as they can. Um, so he was, he was quite impressed. And, you know, even at one stage we were filming at Indiecade and I think this is like the, probably the, the, the third event we've seen him at. I think we did another quick quick interview with him at Indicade. And then after Indicade, we were at um, uh, USC, University of Southern California, interviewing Tracy Fullerton. And we had like a private tour and stuff, and that was great. And as we were finishing wrapping up, um, a whole bunch of people from Indicade turned up with Rami, and he was surprised to see us there as well. And then he was like blown away, like, God, can't get rid of these guys. So um, that was funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we pretty much just talked him. Yeah. <laughs> now you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of prepping the the script and, and getting ready to film. But how do you decide, you know, when you're making a documentary like this, how, how do you decide what actually you're you're going after in terms of of content and you know your your kind of overarching story that you're you're trying to tell when it's not something that you can just make up. Well, you know, they say a film was made three times. The first time in the script. Uh, second time during production and the third time in the edit. So, you know, um, when we were writing the script, we, we had already done like about a year's worth of research and we had a list of people we wanted to interview and track down and speak to and we had an idea of like, you know, what the shape of the film. Um, 
But then when we set off to start filming, when we were on the road, a lot of the people who were on our list to interview weren't available. So we had to um, just on the fly, you know, find a new cast. And that, that was fine because, um, like, you know, when you go to PAX and um, other events like that, there's just, like, so many indies around. Um, so the, the story and the structure of the film sort of stayed the same while we were filming, but the people we were speaking to ha- had changed. And then in edit, in the edit, things changed again, and Anna can tell you about that. Yeah, originally there were a few more characters in the film that um, unfortunately we had to cut out because the film was just way too long. Like the first edit was two hours long and Hmm. it was just a bit all over the place. So, um, yeah, we had to make the hard decision to cut out a few people, um, which was really sad. And, um, yeah, and then we sort of just kept experimenting with the structure. Like I think um, the... The film that you see is the 48th edit, so it's changed quite a bit from the first cut. <laughs> yeah, in, in the script, um, the story was a lot more linear, and each chapter was really obvious what it was about, and it was like a chapter heading, like, you know, play or, you know, game making 101, and, and really obvious stuff, which which I threw in the script. But when we saw the first edit, um, it just felt a bit stiff, and it wasn't flowing, so then Anna, you know, um, deconstructed it and, and um, moved things around, and, and that's what we have now. Personally, when, when I got done watching it, it felt like it was kind of this um, almost all roads lead to GDC kind of tale. Of like, everything leads to, to GDC, uh, which actually gave it a really nice flow, uh, as opposed to just being, I guess, random people, you know, talking and then disappearing yeah. for the rest of the film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we are originally had that in the script that it was going to end at GC, but um, the people who won awards kind of changed, like we didn't, didn't know who was going to win awards, so um, we had to kind of change it a little bit to um, to fit that narrative. Yeah, so when we were, you know, when we first were interviewing um, Davey from Sandy Parable or Taylor Tales and even Robin, we weren't even thinking about the GDC awards or the IGF awards. <clears throat> But then when the, when the awards happened and we realised, shit, a lot of these people we're, we're speaking to are up for awards, um, we realised that we have to capture this moment. Um, and then in the end of it, we realised, okay, we should maybe, um, with the Stanley Parable story at least, maybe um, up their story as well. And that, that could be a through line leading to the awards. Mm-hmm. But that was never the original plan, though. So besides uh, just for continuity's sake and you know, trying, to, trying to build a, a story that, that flows, how do you decide... How, how did you decide what stayed in, what stayed out, and how to to move things around? Because yeah, you know, it's it's not your traditional story of you know like fiction where you can have and you know very obvious acts and villains and, and stuff like that. Um, we just kind of kept characters in um, well who were engaging on camera um, and who sort of fitted thematically with the film, like. Um, Tale of Tales, like they make really interesting art films, so we wanted to, I mean, art games, so we wanted to show that side of indie video games. And um, like with Davey, he obviously has like a good character arc, so we kept him in. Um, yeah, we just sort of, I guess, kept people in um, depending on like how they and their game worked, worked in the film. Yeah, and most chapters in the film have a certain theme, and, um, and when we're filming, you know. We had this script and we, we knew what, what each um, theme was and we'd asked various developers about these different themes and got information out of them. 
But in the edit, it really came down to who was really articulating these ideas clearly, um, and and that's what it really boiled down to. Who who was able to tell the story really clearly, and and the edit was all about you know serving the story and not about like you know um, getting interviews that we liked or people we liked or people came our friends. It was all about the story, and we're serving that. Nice. Is there anybody that you wanted to either be in the final product or that you wanted to talk to and never could? Um, yeah, for sure. Like the people we interviewed, um, who we loved, and 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 some became friends, and and or we couldn't include them in the final film because one, the film became way too long, but also it just um, diverted too much from the themes we were tackling. Um, so we met the very first time we went to GDC. Um, during our research period, and the very very first person we met at GDC was Itai Karen. Um, he's a New York-based developer making Mushroom Eleven, which is a pretty super cool game. Yeah, we've, so, we've talked, spoken with him. Yeah, he's awesome. So yes. anyway, we've been tracking his journey, and the very first time we spoke to him, he was very nervous at marketing his game, didn't know how to pitch it. Um, and then we filmed him at, at PAX Prime when he had a booth for the very first time, and he was nervous there. And then we caught him again um, <clears throat> at South by Southwest, and then by the time he was at PAX East, he was like a real smooth operator, had a really slick booth, and had his pitch down, and like people were just flocking to his game, um, and everyone was loving it. So seeing this transition was, was amazing to, to witness. Um, and we also spent about a week with him in New York, um, embedded with him, uh, spending time with him in, in his studio, and it was a great sequence in the film. But we had to pull it out because it just diverted too much from from the rest of the film, hmm. and that that really killed us, you know. And I, I we both struggled with that. But in, in the end, the, the film is, is much tighter. So if we do get around to doing a director's cut, we'll definitely put it back in. But we'll definitely um, include it in our extra content. So we have a members bundle, the whole bunch of extra content, and we'll put that sequence back in there. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Very cool. How did you guys, uh, like, uh, one of the also, like, kind of through lines, uh, almost literally through the film, is this train jam. And I've heard of game jams before, but this kind of really struck out to me because not only is it, like, a a, a quite literal, like, predetermined time, but it's it's almost like a, like a moving timeline for, like, the creation of a game. Um, was that kind of in the plans at the beginning? Did you just stumble upon that? And how was it, like, how much footage did you actually grab of that, like, 52-hour trip? Um, we, we weren't actually there, so we put our cameraman Cam on the train. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go get it, Cam. <laughs> yeah, we were in Japan at the time, I think. And he so he had to, like, do sound and camera and um, film, film all these different teams um, for the whole train jam, and I don't think he got to sleep at all. Um, so, yeah, so I think um, we've included most of what he filmed on the train jam or probably, like, I don't know, a third of it. Um, we had to cut out a few teams that he covered, but, um, yeah, most of what he filmed is actually in the, in the actual film itself. Yeah, when we wrote the script for the film and set up for our, for our first block of filming, um, we didn't know about train jam. I don't think train jam was a thing then. But then on our travels, we um, met Adriel Wallach, and um, she's she been thinking about this idea. And then leading up to GDC fourteen, um, she she um, 
decided she's definitely going to do it. Train jam's going to happen. She told us, and and then we thought, wow, we we definitely have to cover this. This is going to be amazing. And then straight away, I realized this could this could be broken up and and told um, in different chapters in the film. Um, and that that was the brief we gave Cam, um, and that's what we ended up with for, for the most part. Yeah, and we like we thought it sounded really cool when she was talking about it, but we didn't realize like how amazing it would be. Like all that scenery just adds so much to the film; it's incredible. Yeah, and there was a chance it didn't happen because um, Cam was filming at South by Southwest and had to catch a plane to Chicago to join Train Jam, but there were heavy snows, and he had to fight tooth and nail to get a flight to Chicago. And we're so glad he did because um, we love the footage and we love, we love it being in the film. It definitely serves as a nice little like, especially when um, you're you know you're kind of speaking to the the process of kind of making a game through it and all the different not only different stages but like the different um, parts and personalities that go into it. To see it's almost like a big coalescing moment where not only does all of that all of that creative process has to happen, uh, but it has to happen quickly, and you kind of have to get it and go. And you know you, you're literally on a train that's moving uh, to the destination. So it, it not it was a real it was a real nice and interesting through line, and I I really um kind of which was it's super enjoying that while watching it. Yeah, so we, we always had a chapter about you know making games for for the layperson. We want to explain the different elements into making a game so there's sound and programming and art and whatnot. and we spoke to a lot of people about this then we realised Train Jam is the perfect space to have this chapter so so we're glad we um, captured that on, on the train and you know and you're right the, the moving train is a great metaphor for making games Was there anything either um, in any of the particular filming sequences uh, or just in the people that you talked to that's what was kind of like an enlightening moment for you as far as uh, indie game development? Anything you particularly took away from the the process? Yeah, so much. Uh, have to give me a moment to think. Um, well, I think we um, sort of did our marketing the same way that the indie devs in the film do it. Like we're re- we've been really transparent the whole time, mm-hmm. um, like showing everyone our process throughout um, making the film. Um, that's something we've definitely taken on board and yeah I know like all their, their creative processes have really sunk in for us but I just have to think of an exact point <laughs> I, I, and I remember the first time we went to GDC um, during our research period in, in 2013 and just being uh, amazed and overwhelmed by the sense of community um, not just amongst indie developers but amongst all game developers whether AAA or indie everyone just supports each other and has time for each other and there's no us versus them um, and then while we're filming going to all these different events just seeing the strong sense of community and bonds between developers and, and other people within the games industry and games culture and we were so blown away by that and amazed and, and we were embraced and invited into this you know this community as well um, and that, that was one of the reasons why we were so committed to making this film um, was a sense of community because we, we like um, exploring subcultures, and we feel indie game development is a subculture, um, and and everyone is just so inclusive and embracing of each other, and um, yeah, we, we were just really excited by, by that, and hopefully that comes through in the film. So, you know, that's why you keep seeing similar faces at different events, because it, it, is, it is a community, and it is a subculture we're, we're trying to... Um, 
trying to portray. And of course, you know, indie game development is huge, and there are people in in all cities around the world making games, and we can't capture everyone. But within the film, we were trying to you know capture this this um, small community going from event to event, you know, um, while we were filming. I hope these answers are okay. Are we waffling yeah. too much? No, that that's fantastic. No, I was actually just thinking about the the moment in the uh, the movie where um, uh, Rami is leaving um, like Davy's house, and they hug, and like I suddenly realized like I didn't even know these two guys were friends, but they're close enough friends to like say I love you, and I was just like, and just kind of your description of of talking about the the community just made me think about uh, think about that. That just I don't know. That's that's a really impressive and important bond that is created through this kind of common way of, of making games, which is, is really fantastic. Yeah, well, I guess, like, making a game is a really difficult process. Like, it takes a lot out, out of you, so you need a good support network, kind of like making film. Hmm. Um, and, and it's a lonely process as well. Yeah, so I, I think, like, I don't think any of the people in the film could make their games if they didn't have the indie community supporting them because, yeah, it would just be so hard to do it alone. Yeah. There also seemed to be kind of like a a sharing almost of what uh, one of the people described as like imposter syndrome where they're kind of waiting. It seems like everybody collectively in that space is kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and for somebody to, to kind of stand up and go, oh, yeah, well, you're not real. And this, you know, none of this is... None of this is really actually happening. <laughs> yeah, that that is so true. I mean, apart from Rami, I think everyone else everyone else suffers from imposter syndrome, and and that's because you know um, a lot of these people are coming from a non traditional game development background. That they're filmmakers or musicians or they're artists, and you know they never studied code. Uh, they didn't go to game design school, so you know that that's one reason why they they feel like uh, imposters. Um, you know, and I, I would feel the same way if, if I was in their, their shoe. But I think the the tide is slowly turning, and you know, as we say in the film, anyone can make a game now. And we feel, you know, in the near future, this idea of, of imposter syndrome, because you don't have a traditional game development background, I think that's going to change. Mm-hmm. I hope. I hope so too, because that's that, that was like a real, almost like like a like almost like heartbreaking where you just you're. And I mean, I, t- I totally understand it too. And it, and it seems to me, especially around like creative people, like I can't possibly be getting by doing this. So eventually something is going to happen that's going to force me to go back to to doing something like non-creative in order to keep going. Like those, you know, the horrible corporate films or, or, or wherever you guys came through too. Um, and it just, it's like you watch that and then you're so thankful for moments where like that little girl says dogs are awesome. And that's that's what she's that's what she's programming into that little robot. That dogs are awesome, and you're like, yeah, you know what? Let's bring this kid up. Let's let's teach these guys how to code. And when they get out there, they'll know that dogs are awesome, and everything will be okay. Yeah, I love her. I hope she becomes like a really big <laughs> game development. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that moment. It's my favorite line in the film. <laughs> they, oh, and, and just and, and like uh, I have a three year old, and I have a uh, like a one and a half year old, and it's just those those earnest, like, kid moments where at that moment you knew that she was very serious that dogs were awesome. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, and then, when, then when she was asked, you know, like, basically, again, like, what do you want this to say? And she was like, um, duh, dogs are awesome. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Yeah, I've seen that like a hundred times and I still laugh at it. <laughs> it, it was utterly cute and fantastic and, and just <laughs> such a, it, like both a, like a great parallel to kind of what was going on and also just a, a, a real contrast to like, you know, kind of uh, bringing kids up and, and at, at some point somebody says that they're like a, almost like a different species and it, it it's it's so true because I'm I'm not old enough where I, I didn't get to play with computers in school, but I'm definitely old enough where there I was there before the internet, and so you know, kind of raising my kids in a you know my my son has a little tablet, and like that is the most insane thing in the world to me because we didn't have anything like that when we were growing up. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, as Don Daglow says in the film, you know, programming your computers is going to be intuition for this next generation. That was, that was such a great line. And, like, it, up until that point, when you really actually think about it, you're like, holy crap, you know what? That is so totally true. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I love that moment. And it's amazing, like, we shot all this stuff in Japan, and, like, um, most of it didn't end up in the final film. But we, we filmed this class in Japan learning um, to make games, and there's a four-year-old on a tablet making a game. And it's just amazing, you know, to witness. The uh, the one scene where it was like um the a whole bunch of kids on the uh, art tablets with all of the power cords going into the center of the table, yeah. and they're just like drawing furiously and and whatever their little hearts desire. It's uh, it really it really kind of makes you happy to see that to see that not like especially when you hear all the stories of like uh, like art programs and and. Like the the like arts and entertainment kind of being stripped away uh, from schools to see like actual school places and kids like embracing that, um, it, it's good for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And you know, as mentioned in the film, you know, um, it's great seeing kids um, not just being consumers but being creators now. Absolutely. Yeah, I um, it, one of the things that kind of stood out to me was you know going back to the the idea of. Um, was innovation for our generation becomes intuition for the the next generation um and just the idea of at some point in time there was somebody that had to operate an elevator like nobody else could do it and now we just push buttons and it makes total sense to think that at some point in the future we'll have kids that are that intuitively making you know interactive video games is Mind blowing, yeah, crazy, and I just can't wait to see what what these kids are going to make in the future. Yeah, they're going to make such incredible things. Like this, just leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's also great to see just you know um, kind of the, the change in uh, from that. You know, you need a traditional. Uh, video game background because that's that's really only been something that's kind of appeared in the last ten years. Uh, because before that, there were no traditional video game backgrounds because video games were too new for there to be a traditional video game background. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like um, I guess you know the same way the studio system broke down in Hollywood. Um, you know, in the late sixties, you started seeing uh, all these students who were coming out of film school for the first time. And, and breaking down the system and shaking things up and making all, all these, you know, truly innovative, you know, films. Mm. And in, in a way, we're seeing that, you know, through indie games. Um, you know, uh, young people who, who are, you know, born and bred on games and have, like, fresh new ideas and, you know, aren't part of a studio system and not 
beholden to you know a, a big behemoth and they can do their own thing now yeah uh, so um why this vastly changing topics here but why why the title uh game loading for for the movie <laughs> Uh, what uh, Anna asked that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's you. you just, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I guess you know, game loading means it's like a metaphor of like something that's in the process of happening. Mm-hmm. So, would you want to say you know, um, indie games are here and this is it. This is the finite version. We're trying to say that this is an evolving thing. It, it's it's happening a, a, as we speak. And we have to see, you know, what the end result is going to be. Excellent. That's the first time I had to answer that question, and I'm glad I pulled it off. Hey, you did. Congratulations. Pat yourself on the back <laughs> and give yourself a star. Is that good job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be honest, we struggled with that title because we we just came up with it and and we we sort of committed to it. You know, became the website and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then during production. You know, I, I always struggled with it. I always thought it was a bit um, naff or, or you know, embarrassing. I wasn't happy with the title. And then during production, uh, late in production, all these developers we spoke to said they loved the title, thought it was great, you know, go with it. And they reassured me, and hopefully they weren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game loading guy. Yeah, nope. It's a bad title. <laughs> <laughs> the background no that's fine i i I think it's it's definitely serves its purpose in showing that it's it it, you know the the indie game itself the indie scene itself rather is still very much loading it's still very very much building up to 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 kind of like peak to what it could be and that's it's a real it's a real exciting time to kind of be in video games yeah exactly you know and our film was never meant to be the the be all end all of, of um the indie game scene we're just getting a snapshot of what's been happening in the last couple of years in one corner of the indie games world. You know, we never set out to, to be the complete story. And um, when we were traveling with the film around the US and Europe, at the screenings, we were, we were encouraging people to, if there are any potential filmmakers in the audience, to think about making their own film about games culture or, or indie games specifically, because there are a lot more stories to be told and a lot more different angles. Um, you know, and we want to see more films a- about this. And our, our film um, doesn't dig deep, you know, it goes wide, it goes broad, but there's a lot of potential for future films to dig deep in certain, you know, aspects of, of game culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's always evolving, so you could just keep making a different film every year and it would it'd be it would be different about and relevant about the indie game scene. Yeah, what, one of the things that I really enjoyed was just how, you know, overall there's a, a vastly, or not vastly, but very um, positive kind of theme to everything, but it, it does go a little dark, and specifically with, like, some of the conversations with Zoe Quinn, um, and just realizing kind of some of the nasty side of uh, consumers and their interaction with, uh, with video games. Uh, how many times did you want to give Zoe Quinn a hug? Because I, I counted at least like seven times throughout the film. To be honest, most of the time you want to give Zoe Quinn a high five because, like, I, I know on the internet um, and in the press, she comes across as as a victim. She wouldn't really call herself a victim, but she's mm. trained as such. But in reality, she's such a funny person. You know, um, I think she once did stand up comedy, and she's such a bubbly, fun loving, you know, funny person. Um, and I wish we showed 
that's more of that side of her in the film. But but we did end up um, focusing on the harassment she was receiving, uh, and this was filmed way before you know Gamergate, hmm. um, and she's really you know, talking about when she released uh, Depression Quest on on Steam and the reaction you know it got, uh, which is quite shocking. Um, but you know, and to be honest, like we interviewed uh, quite a few female developers, and they always mentioned in passing that you know they they suffer from. Some form of harassment, you know, one way or another, um, or not even just harassment, some form of discrimination. Um, and it was, this was never, you know, going to be a topic in the film. But then we realised, you know, um, as we're setting up, you know, to interview, you know, a female developer, they would they would um, mention this to us. Uh, and then we realised, hang on, something's going on here. We should we should maybe explore it. So then we started asking these questions on camera, and that's how this segment in the film came to be. Yeah, yeah, we're glad we included it because um, I kind of feel like it would have been dishonest to just pretend that, or to admit it and and um, pretend that indie games is all like happy and there wasn't a dark side to it because it's some pretty horrible things that people have to deal with. Yeah, and you know, um, and it's not just women who suffer harassment in, in the games industry. You know, a lot of guys suffer harassment, you know, in, in their workplace uh, or online or in different aspects. Um, and you can make a whole film about this, but we just happen to be speaking to these, these female developers who had like pointed stories to tell. So we um, we just focused on that. Hmm. I think it worked very nicely. Well, uh, Brian, do you have any uh, more questions before we go into the end game? No, no, I'm good. I think we should we could definitely go. Uh... Go right to our, our end game. It's a, a little questionnaire we like to do at the end. Um, it's more focused on on you than about the product itself. Um, and so you know, let's uh, we'll jump right to it. Uh, question number one, please, and both of you feel free to answer. Um, who who would you consider to be your favorite video game protagonist? Um, mine is Trevor from GTA Five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I- why? Not right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just a dirtbag and he cracks me up. <laughs> uh, you like the comedy factor? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll say okay. Pac-Man. Pac-Man, okay. <laughs> Any particular iteration of Pac-Man or just Pac-Man himself? No, uh, Miss Pac-Man. Oh, Miss Pac-Man, okay. What, like what about Miss Pac-Man does it for you? I, 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 like, I like the bow on her head. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, flipping the coin, question number two. Um, who would you consider to be your favorite antagonist? Oh, um, the ghosts in Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> can you uh, make side question? Can you name all the ghosts? Can I name them? Oh shit! I can't right now. Oh, I used to know them. Do you know? Do you know their names? Yeah, they've got Offhand, no, but I will I will look this up so we can fact check right now. I used to know the names. <laughs> it's definitely my wife is trying to go over them in the background, and we know it is definitely Inky and Blinky. But there I, are Casper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Casper. Yeah, I'm not sure if this character is is a um, antagonist, but I, I love the the narrator from Stanley Parable. Hmm. He's kind of an antagonist. Yeah, yeah. I think so. yeah. I'll, I'll count it. I, that's good. I like it. Binky, Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde. 
There we go. <laughs> there we go. Now we've completely ruined this podcast by fact checking, but that's that's the okay. correct. Yeah, that guy's kind of an antagonist. I can see that. that that's that's an acceptable answer. Anna. Uh, I'm gonna go with Trevor from GTA 5. Trevor from GTA 5. Okay. <laughs> now the next few questions, Trevor, unfortunately, he could probably be one or the other, uh, but he's not gonna end up as as both for the next two. So that's, although maybe he can. I don't know. He's probably an answer to every one of these questions I have now that I think about it, which is probably. really weird. Yeah. That you've you broke you successfully broken my questionnaire with Trevor. Yes. So good on you. Okay. Uh, question number three. Um, what what kind of trend or trope um, that's happening in video games today would you like to see kind of continue and, and, and proliferate? Something that maybe not be as, as widespread as you think it should be. Uh, I'm <clears throat> I'm really enjoying games that are a lot more open world and sandboxy. Uh, I'm playing GTA Five again now on the PC, and um, and before we set off on our tour, I was playing um, and finished. Shadows of Mordor, um, and and then some of the Batman games. I just love that idea of a non-linear game um, that that can be open world and you can just explore at your own pace. Um, <clears throat> of course, you know these games. If you want to follow the story, it's a bit more linear. But like how you can just not worry about the story and go off and do your own thing. Um, and right now, I'm playing with the GTA editor and director, making some films. And I, I just love the idea of like just getting into this world and exploring and, and messing around. And I'm really liking all the local multiplayer games that, that are popping up at the moment. Like it, it's um, we've been seeing lots of them at games festivals, and it's really cool, like seeing people um, interacting in the same space, and like it's a really good way to um, get people talking to each other. I was yeah, really we impressed with that spaghetti game. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> Spaghetti games. Spaghetti stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Spaghetti stand up. That was like, all right, you know what? I can see not only like a bunch of people, but just like a bunch of my friends getting together and trying to do that. And that's totally awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we were going to play it at, at our game learning Christmas party last year, but I think um, we ended up playing Cards Against Humanity instead. <laughs> yeah. yes. Always always a good standby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, on our journeys, we've discovered um, a lot of cool local multiplayer games we fell in love with. And, and became obsessed with. Um, you know, we played a lot of Nidhogg, um, which unfortunately I, I really suck at. Um, <laughs> Speedrunners, which, which we yeah, love. Yeah, that's fun. We were filming in Romania um, for a while and we were, you know, living with these developers and we kind of slacked off a bit and we were, played, we were playing Speedrunners all day and that, that, <laughs> that got a bit full on. Um, <laughs> and, and, and these same developers in Romania, they've got their own local multiplayer game called Move or, Move or Die. Which is on, um, I think, early access right now. Definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. So that that that's a trend we hope will will continue and expand. Absolutely. Um, next question also flips the coin on that. What what's a trend or a trope that you'd like to see just go away completely? Um, games that which are online only. Uh, I like playing you know story driven single player games, which can then be opened up to you know online. But um, you know, it, it breaks my heart that like the new Battlefront game is going to be online only. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I heard it's online only. I really hope there's a strong, you know, but a uh, single player story we can follow as well. Yeah, no. From what I've heard so far, is it's just it is just the multiplayer portion of Battlefront. Mm. 
if yeah. there is a single portion there, either keeping it real close or it's just not there, which is really sad given what the other two were. Yeah, yeah. Like given what Battlefront Two was, Battlefront One really just had a bot match for a single player. Yeah, well, you know, you do what you got to do. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Anna. Um, I just like there to be less first-person shooters. I don't want them to go away completely, but I feel like there's more to games than that. You may need to edit that bit out, because uh, we'll get... Harassed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Harassed. Yeah. Uh, just bleep it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, just we'll just, we'll uh, take the bit where they, uh, where Tale of Tales said that, and we'll plug that in there and say that they said <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> so my words together and give me... <laughs> um, but I disagree with Anna. I don't think there's, there were too many first-person shooters. I think they're there. There's a lot of them, but you know, I think I think the games world is opening up to to new uh, genres and new ideas. Yeah, absolutely. That's and that's what I, that's like the one thing that always blows me blows my mind about um, like folks that are almost like kind of against expansion because they think that expanding the game world means that they're little slice of what they like is going to go away. Yeah, and... exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's why all this controversy over the last year or so about stuff baffles us, you know. Um, you know, I, I, we, we agree with you that, you know, the, the, the games world isn't shrinking because of diversity or indie games. Um, it's actually expanding, and, you know, there are new possibilities out there. And... Yeah, but it's really crazy, like, um, the cause just because new games are coming out doesn't mean everyone has to play them like you can the the same games are still going to stay there they're not going away yeah at all at all at all uh, next question uh, you guys are, are are doing what you love uh, making making movies um, uh, is there any other uh, wild eyed profession that you'd ever like to give a try to it's funny we was talking about this last night how you know we're, we're so glad we made this film, although it was like a real struggle and, you know, <clears throat> there were a lot of tears involved. Uh, at least, at least we're, we're doing what we love doing and we're telling our own stories as opposed to making corporate, you know, stuff. Um, but in terms of other professions, um, I think I'd like to be Richard Branson. Is that, is that a job? Oh, <laughs> totally. I believe they call it, you know, like, like rich guy philanthropist. Yeah. 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 Maybe not Tony Stark because I, I, I don't want to be an Iron Man, but maybe Richard Branson. Yeah, and I'd like to be a tiger. It's a profession, right? Did you say you'd like to be a hammer? What? <laughs> a tiger. A tiger? Totally! Yeah, totally we're going to be a tiger. Um, okay, next question's going to be a little weird. So uh, so just bear with me. I've got a little bit of a preamble to it. Um, so I used to start it off with a, uh, with a movie reference that rarely anybody got, so I decided to change it. Um, as ev- just about everybody has seen uh, James Bond, Goldeneye. Um, so basically where this question is going is uh, you receive a note that says that above your city, the GoldenEye satellite's going to go off. So you're going to lose, you know, power, electricity, the whole EMP pulse thing. You're going to be out of it for at least a couple of weeks. Nobody's going to get hurt, so you don't really have to worry or panic. Um, but you're not going to be able to play any games or really do anything. Um, so with that advanced warning, um, with that happening tomorrow, what game would you play tonight? I it sounds boring, but I'll probably play GTA. I get a lot of a lot of satisfaction out of playing that. 
Um, and I would play <laughs> The Neighborhood because that's like my childhood game that I'd like to go back to. I never played The Neighborhood. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, you're just Trevor and then there's a the Neighborhood. We're all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, final question. Um, at the end of our lives, uh, when Toad greets us at the gates to the Mushroom Kingdom uh, with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Uh, nice try. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gave it a go. Yeah. You got a do-over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got a do-over. Yeah. Here's your fantastic green mushroom. Don't yeah, use yeah. it all in one place. <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. Let me let me think of a more intelligent answer. <laughs> no, I'll stick with do over. Get a do over. Well, thank you very much, guys. That's the end of the questionnaire. Um, I'd like to say you passed, and you did. Um, unfortunately, I have uh, zero prizes for you uh, beyond uh-huh. just uh, a virtual handshake or a high five, whichever you would prefer. Uh, Jonathan, take us home. Uh, Lester and Anna, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, if you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about game loading Rise of the Indies. Uh, well, the film is available on, on most platforms, on Steam, uh, iTunes, Xbox, PlayStation. Um, but you can go to our website and we've got a, um, a section there which shows all the different platforms where you can buy it. And you can buy it straight from our website as well. Uh, and also there's the Humble Widget there. Um, so, yeah, it's available everywhere. But go to gameloading.tv. Fantastic. Thank you so much uh, again for joining us, and good luck with uh, you know, just continuing to get the word out there about the movie and in all of your future endeavors. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.